Hey guys, it's Jackie, founder of All Mama Care and Mama to a Super Kid. When my son was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia at 21 months old, not only did I feel my world was ending, but I was alone and scared. I made it my job to get my hands on every resource possible to become educated about his diagnosis. And I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I was determined to become empowered and do everything possible to help my baby and my family thrive. Along the way, I've had the pleasure of connecting with some wonderful organizations and meeting some of the most caring and authentic people. This podcast is dedicated to supporting parents and families while their child is going through cancer treatment and beyond. I share with you all the resources that have played a major factor during this time in my family's life, and I'm so glad you're here with me. And now, let's get this episode started. Ended treatment, and then, like that was that was just the end of that. He also was in school at the time, so and we had Alex, so yeah. there was a lot of other just normal stuff going on. So it was very easy to be like, okay, this is your last chemo. Let's snap a picture. Great, you have a test tomorrow, so better get studying, and we gotta we gotta move on. This week I interview Trisha Campero. She's a fellow momcologist and a woman who has been by my side from the very beginning. Trisha's son, Christian, was diagnosed with T-cell leukemia when he was five years old. She shares with us all the ins and outs of his journey back to health. Everything from how she sensed something was not right to his diagnosis, to his three years of treatment, including radiation. She talks about Make-A-Wish and how amazing it was She also shares with us their experience with their favorite place, Hole in the Wall Camp in Connecticut. She offers advice for families that are in treatment and takes us into what school was like for Christian. This episode is a special one because Christian joined us for a little bit. There are no words to express how deeply appreciative I am of Trisha's friendship, and I know we are connected for life. Welcome back to the All Mommy Care podcast. Tonight I have Trisha Campero with us. She is a fellow momcologist and she and I have known each other for about two years. I think we met when I went to Sherry's house. It was the week after or like two weeks after Ollie was diagnosed and I was like in tears and said two words at the meeting and I was just a complete mess and you just gave me a big old hug and were like, it's okay. Like you're here with us. Um, and I'm just so grateful that you have been such a great mentor and available when I text you at crazy hours and asking you questions about things, you know, messaging you, you've been so open. So I just want to give you a really warm welcome, Trisha, and just thank Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to talk about your son, Christian, and his journey with ALL T-cell, that's different from B-cell, and really talk about, you know, what he went through, what you went through as a family, survivorship, how that's going right now, school, Make-A-Wish, and Hole-in-the-Wall camp. So we have a lot to talk about, (laughs) and I'm just really excited to dive in. So for those that are listening, we, Trisha is in Massachusetts as well. Yeah. So Trisha, can you just kind of give us an overview about you, yourself, your family, and Christian? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Christian was diagnosed back in August of 2012 with T-cell leukemia. My husband and I had noticed that he had really large functions. And so you know, I kind of showed them to my mom because my mom was watching the kids for us while we work. And she said, you know, something that really doesn't look right with him. He might have strep, um, you know, and his tonsils were really, really big. And how so, old was he at the time? He was, uh, he was almost five, so like four and a half. And then we also had Alex at home who was three. So they were, they were pretty little. Um, so I took Christian to our pediatrician that day, and he said, we're going to do a strep test, we're going to, um, 
maybe test for mono, which I thought was silly at four and a half years old. But they said, you know, those are the biggest lump nodes I've ever seen. And I, I did say to him, do you think it's possible that it could be something worse? No, I really think it's going to be strep. Okay. So strep came back negative. Well, the next day, he he did not look good. Something was wrong with his face. And uh, he was at my mother-in-law's, and I just kept looking at him and going, something's not right here. And so I did go online, and I looked at large lymph nodes, no symptoms, because he wasn't sick. Uh, he was happy. Um, I can't remember if he had a ton of energy at the time, because he was four and a half, so he kind of always had energy. Um, so that brought me to uh, cancer. So immediately when I saw that, I called his pediatrician back. This was on a Tuesday. I said, you know, I went online, I looked this up, and thankfully, instead of just brushing it off and being like, yeah, I shouldn't have done that, he's going to be fine. He said, you know, I really think it's either strep or mono. Maybe it just didn't come back, you know, in the test yet. Let's um, let's take a look again, and also we'll do blood work just to rule anything out. So Wednesday, I brought him in for blood work in the morning, and um, probably come noon, I got the results that the strep was negative. So then about three, I got the results that I was at work alone when the pediatrician called and said, um, the lab called, and the um, pathologist saw some abnormal white cells in his lab work, and he thinks it's leukemia. You need to pack everybody up. Oh. You have to go to UMass. And I said, of course I was shocked. And I said, well, why do I, why do I have to go to UMass? Shouldn't I be going to Boston? And they said, absolutely not. They will take very good care of you at UMass. That's where I want you to go. Okay. He said that a lot of his bloodlines had not been altered yet. So he wasn't anemic. Um, his platelets were still at a good level and his amount of blast were, um, relatively low, but they were there. So they felt that it was in the early stages of leukemia. So we, I called my husband, who was out with the boys at the time, uh, came home, called my parents, who thankfully lived really close by, and they came over, and, um, I remember Christian being in the driveway with them and me just crying and crying and crying and holding on to him, like just wanting to throw him in the car and be like, let's go, we got to go fix this, we got to go get moving. So we had to pack a few things because we had no idea what was going to happen. Um, so, you know, we did call my in-laws and let them know what was going on and we headed straight up to the hospital. Uh, they did their own blood work to just confirm. And then within 24 hours, he started chemotherapy and we got the diagnosis that it was T-cell. Um, and we didn't know what risk level he was at yet, but we knew that it was T-cell. Um, and it was, it was a big shock to everybody. Um, the nurses were very hopeful and, you know, the doctors went giving us hope, and, but also reminded us that it was going to be a very difficult eight or nine months because his chemotherapy was going to be high dose, and, um, and it was going to be really difficult. And they were right. So um, thankfully, he was in remission within 15 days. They called it rapid response remission. So we were very hopeful that Christian was going to be risk assessed at low risk. Uh, everything seemed to be pointing to that um, because of his age and the amount of um, white cells that were affected um, and how quickly he responded to chemo, thankfully. They felt he was going to be low risk. Unfortunately, when we 
came to the risk assessment meeting after his MRD was done, um, he missed low risk by 0.06. So I think it was supposed to be 0.1, and it was 0.16. So we were then advised that, you know, because it's 0.16, we didn't really have a choice as to keep him at the low or put him at the intermediate treatment. So we had to go with the intermediate treatment, and unfortunately, that's a higher level dose of chemotherapy. It's about three times the strength as cell. and then he did have to have uh, radiation to his brain at the end of that eight-month hard chemo cycle, um, which was um, terrifying. Terrifying. So. Um, he, he did the, you know, the eight or nine months of hard chemo, um, and he did remain in remission. And um, I think he did pretty well. He, you know, he lost his hair. He didn't feel good. He struggled with, you know, four and a half taking his medication, and the, you know that was a huge struggle for him. Um, cord access could take an hour, if not, and getting the port unaccessed would take just as long, to the point where I think the nurses were like, no, you have them, no, you have them, because it was just, it was awful. It was awful. Oh, and then eventually it just clicked with him. Yeah. You know, it was after he turned five, so probably within six months or so, ah, he just he didn't even phase him anymore. Yeah. It was crazy how it, it happened. Um, he did have the cranial radiation. He had eight days of a low-dose cranial radiation, and it was for a preventative measure because T-cell leukemia tends to relapse in the uh, cerebral fluid. So, um, and the, I guess the, I don't know if the methotrexate can reach there or something. No, because of the blood-brain barrier. Brain barrier. So they, that's why they have to do the spinals for Yeah. For the B cell, but then it sounds like for T cell, they have to do the radiation, the cranial radiation. Yeah. In addition to the spinals, he had a million of those also. Um, but the radiation was scary because I didn't know what was going to happen. Was he going to know my name after he had radiation? I, you know, I didn't, I didn't know. Um, he did really well with it. He had a great time because he kept getting gifts and prizes. But it was very difficult on my husband and I to see him go through that. Um, so then he went into maintenance because he had to have three and a half years of chemo. So then maintenance came and maintenance was sort of just kind of an up and down, trying to keep his counts in the right spot. Um, he had a, he had two instances where, uh, relapse was on the table because his blood counts had tanked and didn't want to come back up, um, and eventually that was due to chemotoxicity. He had had too much chemo. So we had to reduce his dose by, you know, 50% and, you know, start over type of thing. So, um, and did his I, body respond to that? Yeah, yeah. So the rest it did. So, I mean, that worked out, but it was really scary trying to figure out what was going on and, and things like that. So um, eventually he finished treatment when he was in it was second grade. Yeah, in second grade, December, November 2015, he finished treatment. Um, and uh, we just, we haven't looked back. We've been blessed with that. Wow. Yeah, that's quite a story. And to hear that with his treatment, he had to do the intense six to nine months of treatment and then do the cranial um, radiation at the end, that that is that is just terrifying to hear. Oh, my gosh. And, of course, you know, I'm sure as a parent, like it, like you said, like he thought, you know, it was great because he was getting all these, these prizes and yeah, yeah. All gifts. But, oh, gosh. Um, Oh, it's difficult, especially for the the cranial radiation because he was so small, so they had to sedate him each time. 
and then they make a mask that's the shape of their face and head, and it's bolted to a table. So I'm so thankful that he was able to be put out for that, because I think that's absolutely terrifying. And now that's to just protect his face from the radiation so that the radiation only goes... No, it's to keep his head in place. Still. Yeah, still. And they had marks. I thought they were going to tattoo them on his head because I had hurt. I was told that's what was going to happen, but that's not what happened. It was marked on the mask, and they they lined him up specifically with that mask. We still have that mask up in our attic. Oh, man. We can't seem to get rid of it. We can't look at it. Yeah, I bet. It belongs, but we can't get rid of it. Oh, jeez. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. Oh, my gosh. A lot of the, um, the stuff that we accumulated during treatment, we have a hard time getting rid of. Some of it, I guess we think it's bad omen if we get rid of it, you know, kind of saying, oh yeah, it's over. So, um, you know, yeah, so it's, you know, it's just hard to, I don't know, it's hard to see it, but, um, you know, it's up in the attic, we don't see it that often, but I still have his binder, I still have, I have a whole box full of stuff. Some of them, some of the memories are from the nurses and the doctors, and they were, you know, they were happy memories that we had with some of the people that we met up there. So, some of that stuff I didn't want to get rid of. Yeah. You know, I just, I feel like I'm, you know, chasing things if I get rid of stuff. Yeah. And it's funny that you say that because Ollie's ending his oral medicine on Saturday. Oh. And, which is amazing. And my yeah. and I were actually just in passing, like doing the dishes and, and I was like, what do we do with all these syringes? Like all this like oral medicine syringes. And I'm like, I have a love hate relationship with them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They made my, my baby so sick, but yet they kept yeah. alive. And like, we just say a prayer and put them in the recycling bin. Like, or yeah. I don't know, like, but yeah, it's a very strange feeling. Yeah, it's a strange um, feeling to let go of some of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I probably too. I mean, I have my five inch binder full of everything and all of his bravery beads. And yeah. I mean, that, I, I just feel like it's, it's there when and if he asks questions and if we yeah. need to talk about it. But I think I too will have kind of a hard time yeah. with. Uh, transitioning because it's, it's yeah. part of our life, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I remember. Um, I so I don't know about you, but I always requested a printout of the yeah. blood work. Yeah. So my binder is pretty much full of blood work results, hundreds and hundreds of pages of blood work results, and I had asked during treatment. Um, actually, I think it was during high-dose methotrexate, and I said to him, you know, I'm keeping all of these blood work results. Do you think I should do that? And he, he goes, oh, absolutely. You definitely need to keep all those. I said, okay, is there like a reason why? And he said, yes, because you're going to rip them up and use them as confetti for his mid-school graduation. And I was like, Yep, I got it. I got it. And it was very, I remember him saying that to me. To this day, don't save him. <laughs> don't let him go. You know? Yeah. yeah. It is a big accomplishment um, when you sit back and remember and think about it all. Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, Christian's over five years off of treatment now. Mm-hmm. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> uh, when did he hit the five year mark? Was it November? This? Okay, last. last yeah. Year. Yeah. And yeah. you know, and they are uh, that's the cure. Yeah. Cure year. Mm-hmm. So he's considered cured. Yeah. Uh, with no, you know, with no promises or anything, but it, it's for T cell um, 
apparently T-cell does not hide very well. Mm-hmm. T-cell makes it makes this relapse known very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not something that we would kind of wait and see gradually. It would be something really quick. Immediate, yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, we're just, we're just blessed that that hasn't happened. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, he's been through so much. And now, how old is he? He's now uh, 13. Yeah, he'll be 14 in November. Awesome. Teenager, true teen. Uh, I know. <laughs> I know. He's, uh, he's something. He really is. Good, good. Yeah. And he is very active in, um, I see, on the Facebook page that you set up in uh, Christian's Courage, correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That you guys set up. Did you start that when he started treatment? Um, I started that probably a month into treatment. Um, we didn't really put it out there right away to the public that something was going on, but a lot of people kind of knew. And honestly, like just the amount of texts and emails that I was getting was just so overwhelming. Although everybody meant well and with well wishes, but it was just easier for me to get on Facebook, create a page, and be like, okay, this is kind of what's going on. Although I really feel that, you know, I kind of edited quite a bit because I didn't, for some reason, I didn't want to scare people. I didn't want to scare my family. I don't know. So my page, although, you know, it is 100% true, there is some stuff that I left out that um, I I just don't think I could write down. I remember one of his relapse scares. I didn't really write about it until we knew for sure it wasn't. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I had a really hard time um, discussing that with everybody, Um, especially when we didn't know. Thankfully, we we found out, you know, relatively quick that it wasn't, but um, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't go there. Yeah, but that makes complete sense because you were processing, you were living through and processing what was happening. So that would make sense that, I mean, that's how I would feel too. Like sometimes, you know, there were times I didn't post about things until I knew for sure that everything was okay. Right. Um, Yeah, that makes complete sense. And, and I, um, I just appreciate you, you know, for sharing Christian's story and I, don't know that much about T-cell because a lot of the parents that I've been in touch with, you know, their kids do have B-cell. So I had to do my own little, you know, research just to kind of refresh my memory. But basically in the lymphocytes, so in the blood, there's the lymphocytes and there's B-cell and T-cell. B-cells make up the antibodies to fight the infection and the T-cells, they help the B-cells to make the antibodies fight the infection. Um, so that's just clarification if anybody's listening and they're like, wait a minute, what is this T cell? Um, and so the T cells are kind of like the helper cells to the B cells. And I don't know about you, but like, did you ever, um, kind of dive right into all the data trying to like teach yourself all the, the oncology lingo or did you, were you more of just letting the oncologist tell you? I, I, um. I was pretty much all letting the oncologist tell me what was going on. Um, I, you know, I was really afraid to to look at some of the stuff. I know that my sister had looked it up, and I think my parents may have. And you know, the the cure rate for T cell leukemia is is up there with B cells. So there, there was a lot of hope, you know. Um, so I really just left it at that. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, there is a cure for this. Let's just do it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to know about anything else unless I have to, you right. know. I remember um, at the time, uh, one of the nurses advising me, you know, you don't, really don't need to talk to any other mom right now at diagnosis. Because everybody's story is different. Everybody's experience is different. And it will not be the same as Christian. Yeah. So don't don't bother going there yet, you know. So um, 
I really just went by the day-to-day facts that they were given to me. Um, thankfully, when he started chemo, he was very responsive to it. And um, even his lymph nodes within a week were gone, just completely gone from steroids and everything else. And all the tests they kept doing kept coming back more positive. Like the lymph nodes in his chest weren't as enlarged. Uh, you know, not all of his bloodlines were affected yet. You know, just there was just a lot of little glimpses of hope that they kept giving us to kind of be like, okay, we got we got this. Yeah. We, you know, we just got to get through it. And thankfully, that you know, that's how it turned out. Yeah. But, uh, it sounds like when you said you caught it pretty early because the blasts in his blood at the time of his diagnosis, it was pretty early. You said like, you know, his. His uh, his facial features, he just looked like really depleted. But other he than that, right. yeah. yeah. Well, he looked almost his eyes looked almost sunken. Like there, but it was just there was something looked off. Mm-hmm. He just didn't look right. Um, but I think it was, he had like I think his numbers for the white cells was like twenty four thousand or something like that, and that's really low compared to what they see as more advanced. So that was like another reason, like there's some some range that they come up with for low risk, and he was in that low range. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and not all of his. I don't think all of his uh, bone marrow was affected either. It was up high. It was probably like seventy five percent. But they had told me that usually in T cell they see about ninety percent. So so he still had healthy bone marrow. Yeah. So you're saying 75% of his bone marrow was affected? Yeah. 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 Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, same thing with us. Like, we felt, even the doctor said, we caught it pretty early because Ollie only had 10% of blasts in his blood, which is really, 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 really low. Yeah, so that was a blessing that we caught that that early. Yeah. Um, Oh my gosh. Okay. So thank you for reliving because I know that it's, it's a lot when you have to relive the story and, and just kind of like put all the details back out there. So I appreciate you, you know, talking us and telling us all about Christian's diagnosis and his treatment and some of the things that you still have up in the attic that are really hard to get rid of. Can you talk with us about preparing for his end of treatment? He ended treatment November 26, 2015. Um, what was that like for you? Like, how did you mentally prepare him for it? How did you guys prepare for it as a family? How did it kind of play out? Well, that last year on chemo was really difficult. That is when his relapse scares happened due to too much chemo. So, you know, I really, um, sort of became a team with the oncologist and was like, you know, I understand that if his blood is X on this clinic day that you could rise with chemo, but no, you're not. You know, like, he's had enough. He cannot have any more. You know, you're giving him, he's still on protocol. You know, he's still following all the things, but there is no way you're going to mess with him anymore. And thankfully, because it was in probably like three or four months, it was like over the summer that you know in the summer they don't get they don't get sick and stuff like that because of the weather and stuff like that. So his numbers were getting higher and higher to the point where they should up his chemo. Thankfully, um, after a few conversations with the doctors, um, they agreed that they did not want to mess with him yeah. so close to the end of treatment. Because that's the last thing that they wanted him to do was to end treatment on no chemo, you know. So they just wanted to kind of keep him stable, and and that's what they did all the way through the end of chemo. Um, you know, he knew because at that time he was what five? No, no, seven, eight, between seven and eight. I can't remember. So he knew that he was taking chemo every day. Yeah. He knew that he was in remission. He knew that he didn't have leukemia anymore. Like, to us, the leukemia was gone. We were trying to keep it away. That's what he knew. Um, 
we did sort of, you know, just like the hospital does kind of make somewhat of a big deal that it's his last chemo. Like, I remember making him a, a little sign, and yeah. um, I did, like, throwing away the, the medicine tray, the, you know, the pill thing. Because it had chemo in it. It's not safe to keep that anyway, you know? So we got rid of it. Christian, do you have anything you want to say? No. I know. Okay. <laughs> he came and he, he's listening to me now. Um, but so, <laughs> do you want to say hi to Jackie? Okay. Okay. Don't say hi to Jackie. Okay. Hello. Hey, hi. how's it going? Are you, are you enjoying April vacation? Yeah. Cool. What are you doing? I'm recording a YouTube video right now. Nice. You'll have to teach me because I don't know how to do it. <laughs> yeah, I got 30 people subscribed. I'm doing good. That's awesome. That's probably more subscribers than me. So that's awesome. <laughs> Congrats. That's great. Good. How's Alex doing good? Yeah, he's tired. Good. He's my cameraman, so he's doing, like, almost everything. Oh, man. You guys are, are quite the team. That's awesome. Well, enjoy the rest of the vacay. Thanks. It was good All to right. talk to you and say hi. Okay. So, um, he's so sweet, isn't he? <laughs> he's so sweet. Oh gosh, he's a good kid. Um, yeah. So, so he ended treatment, and then, like that was that was just the end of that. Mm-hmm. He also was in school at the time. So, and we had Alex. So yeah. there was a lot of other just normal stuff going on. So it was very easy to be like, okay, this is your last chemo. Snap a picture. Great. You have a test tomorrow. So better get studying and we gotta, we gotta move on. You know, um, of course the concern was there. Of course the anxiousness of going to the next clinic, being the first clinic off of treatment and the, you know, and the clinics after that. Of course the anxiety was there. Of course it was. But we also had real life going on too, you know. Um, and Alex was also in school, and we were having some issues with Alex also. So we just had a lot of stuff going on all at once. So we couldn't really fully focus on Christian's end of treatment being the only thing we were focusing on, you know. Um, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, I was so, just going to ask, how did you kind of feel like it's almost like you're you're still living, you know, your normal life before yeah. diagnosis, but it's, um, do you think it was a good distraction, or it was? Uh, yeah, well, I, I think so. I mean, you know, as with, with UMass, they had said, if you were ever nervous about anything, you just have to call us. Yeah. You know? And I remember that, and if Christian looked good and felt good, because I knew what looking bad and feeling bad looked like, then I was okay, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so it wasn't often that I was like, oh, I don't know, maybe I should call oncology. No, that didn't happen a lot. And, I mean, after a couple months of, you know, stable blood work and stuff like that, you know, even even some of the nurses, we're like, you know, you should call your pediatrician. He probably just has a cold. We're not going to put him through blood work if we don't have to. Like, if your pediatrician is like, gee, maybe we should do blood work, then we'll do it. But we're not going to if it's, we're not going to put him through that. Sure. You know, they were, they were done messing with him. Sure. He had had enough, you know? So, um, which I'm sure was a really tough thing to hear because you've been so yeah. accustomed to calling yeah. your all the time and then told, yeah. well, just call your pediatrician. It is. It, it, it's really like a sudden cutoff. Yeah. It is. Unless you have something really significant, you know, like the color is off, he's losing, you know, something really significant that makes you wonder what's going on. But just regular colds with a fever, you know, regular fever numbers, not anything crazy, call your pediatrician, probably has to strep, you know? 
So it's like, what do you mean you don't want to see him? That he's yours. You, you know, you've been treating him for three and a half years. Whenever he had a fever, I called you. <laughs> you know, and they were like, not anymore. Yeah. He graduated. Bye-bye. Sweet. It's tough. It's really tough. Yeah. I mean, to this day, you know, I'm, as I'm sure you are, I'm Facebook friends with, not the doctors, because they don't quite do that, but a lot of the nurses mm-hmm. I'm Facebook friends with, because they become part of your family and part of your lifeline. Oh, yeah. Oh. You know, and there's, there's a few times that poor oncology nurse, I've had the private messenger and be like, all right, this is what's going on, and I think you're going to tell me to call the pediatrician, but I'm going to run it by you first, and I'm sorry I'm messaging you on Facebook, you know? But sometimes you just go like, okay, I don't know what to think right now, so I need to ask somebody, you know? Yeah, 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 and I mean, we're just so lucky because Ollie and Christian, you know, went to UMass and are going to UMass, and the team over there is just so unbelievable, Mm -hmm. and yeah, um, they always make me feel like you know it's it. Don't hesitate to call with any question, yeah. and yeah. I think that that you know that kind of helps too. Well, I know it helps to relieve my anxiety knowing oh, that they're, they're on speed dial. They're easy to talk to. I know somebody's yeah. going to call me back. Um, oh yeah. So that's so that's wonderful. And um, do you have any tips for any parents that are, in my case, we're going off a treatment on Saturday, so uh, we're kind of like riding the wave right now um, of just, you know, really being excited that the end of the treatment, you know, is a support um, removal surgery is going to be scheduled and all that. But I know that on the other side of that, I'm going to get slammed with, oh my gosh, we just went through this. So what advice do you have for you know, people that are families and kiddos that are ending treatment or have been off treatment for a number of years now? I would say let yourself go through those emotions because there really isn't stopping them. And there's no right or wrong way to feel at the end of treatment. You've gone through, you and your whole family have gone through a significant medical trauma. And sometimes that really doesn't hit you until after the trauma's over and you start getting back into real life and then you you think to yourself, what did you just go through? Right now, everything seems so normal. But two years ago, we couldn't believe what was happening. You know, you just have to... And those, those moments and those thoughts come often, especially when you're going through normal things and realizing that that almost didn't come back to you, you know? So, um, you know, go through your emotions. If you, if you need to, talk to a therapist. Talk to other, other oncology parents. You know, go to support groups. That is probably the best thing I can say to anybody is try to find a support group of other people who understand what you're going through because some of those around you, some family, friends, coworkers, you know, they probably have your best interest at heart. But they think that once treatment's over, it's all over. All done. No more issues anymore. Um, you know, that it, it, you don't have to worry about it anymore. It's all over. That's in the past. When in reality, it's not. It's still front and center. And the the time after treatment is probably one of the most highest anxiety times of treatment because now you don't have the meds to rely on, you don't have as much of the doctors to rely on, and you're just sitting and wait. You're waiting for time to pass, for enough time to pass for you to, you know, just sigh relief for a little bit. You're still waiting for that moment. You know, when you're like, okay, well, he's, you know, the blood work's been good for this amount of time. Yeah. So, you know, it, you just have to let yourself go through that and just know that it's normal. Did you find it hard when you were in that stage of, so our team, and I'm sure it might ring true for um, Christian as well, but the first six months to a year off the treatment, it takes a while for their immune system to build back up. So did you 
do find it really difficult, like going through your own emotions and yet having to kind of ex- re-explain and explain to others like, well, he's off treatment, but it really hasn't ended yet. And like his immune system is trying to boost back up. Like, did you find that kind of like, how did, how did you feel about that? Was it exhausting? Was it frustrating? Did you just not want to deal with it? Were you tired of educating people or, or were you even thrust into educating people more? Um, well, so because Christian ended chemo on like 50% chemo, I like his, a, a, not A1C, oh my goodness, AMC, right? Yeah. I even forgot the name, AMC. Um, was really good. Yeah. You know, probably too good for what it was supposed to be. But he still needed the IgG transfusion. Yeah. He needed to have those one or two times off treatment, maybe. I want to say maybe only one time off treatment. But he had them often yeah. um, near the end. Yeah. So, um, so you know, so we were still going to the hospital for that and, and, and things like that. But um, he was in second grade at the time. So we were more thrust into dealing with what was going on at school mm-hmm. in terms of um, his handwriting really suffered. Um, they're feeling it's a chemo radiation mix for that. Or maybe he was just going to have questionable handwriting at second grade, you know. But no, it's much better. Um you know, we had to deal with that, whether they were going to give him accommodation so he didn't have to write as much or just type and, you know, sort of things like that. And in some cases, I had to, you know, disagree with their their plan. Um, he was only in second grade and they wanted him to only type. And I said, no, I, I don't. You're going to teach him how to write. And they did. He got he got a tutor for writing. And it's so much better now. But so we were also dealing with the realities of post-treatment in the school system, because that's honestly where everything would show its face, whether it was caused by chemo radiation or not. I don't, I don't know. I will never know. Right. But I had to address it regardless of what caused it. Yeah. You know. So we were really swung into the world of IEPs and 504s and what the neuropsych eval had to say. Um, you know, that was our new reality, is dealing with the school system, post-treatment, and educating them in why he needed the accommodations at the school level. Did you get any counsel? Was there a nurse or somebody from the oncologist team that was able to come in and talk with the school team or child life? Did they, like, how did they kind of bridge that gap or help you? Or did they help you? They offered to, but I don't think I needed it. I don't think we needed it. I had a very, very good relationship with the school nurse mm-hmm. and and the principal. We're in a small town. Um, and, you know, I would give them any documents that I had that came from our, you know, our oncologist. So, you know, I, they knew who they were kind of dealing with and I didn't really let up. But they were very accommodating to him. I really didn't have to push too, too hard. Yeah. To get what I needed, you know? That's wonderful. So, I mean, Ollie's so young, he's he's going to just be entering pre-K in the fall. So we have not school. But, but school is a whole nother ball game, like you said, you know? Yeah. Trying to navigate what accommodations or what... Um, you know, uh, things, you know, your child needs and figuring out like what's going to help that that's a whole nother ball game. And so when Christian was little, I know that you had mentioned that he was so little, like he had a sense of kind of what was going on, but what kind of like language did you use when you were explaining to Christian when he was like five that he had leukemia? Well, the child life team really did a great job. Um, trying to explain to him kind of what was going on. And I think they did it with uh, blood soup, I think mm-hmm. is what it was. Yep. Um, and trying to explain to him the different parts of his blood without going too in detail. Sure. And that there were some parts of his blood they needed to fix. So, that's, you know, that's pretty much where we left it uh, the entire time because, honestly, that was 
the truth. They were parts of his blood that needed to be fixed. And that was as basic as, as you can go. Um, you know, he was in remission so early, uh, you know, we just, we just had to tell him, you know, you're staying on chemo so that those bad cells don't come back. You know, the more chemo you have, the less chance they are to come back. So, you know, we were blessed to be able to say, your leukemia is gone, but we better make sure it doesn't come back. So this is why we have to. And, uh, I think he was, you know, he was fine with that. Yeah. You know, he was still so young, he, he didn't realize, I don't think he ever asked how long he had to do it for, he just got used to it. Does, you know? looking back now, um, he, you know, he ended treatment when he was, how old? Eight? I think so. Yeah. Does yeah. he remember a lot of it? Um, I think he remembers some of it. Huh? Um, I honestly, I don't think, I mean, he, he remembers going to the hospital and playing with his sidekick Walter a lot. He remembers a lot of the fun times. You know, he remembers, you know, going in the day after Christmas and his hospital bed was filled. You know, he remembers a lot of those things. He remembers, you know, the Patriots came in one time and, um, he did this huge, um, gingerbread house, uh, at Christmas. And like, he remembers all of those things. Um, I don't know if he remembers some of the stuff that the back. Do you remember yeah. the back stuff? Yeah. Do, what do you remember about the back stuff? Uh, they put him to sleep. They would put him to sleep. Yeah, before the. But you didn't feel him, right? No. No, he didn't feel him. Oh, but he remembers the back test, and mostly because uh, his doctor would let him hold her large diamond ring. Oh. And told him that it would give him power through the back test. Yep. Well, so not wrong. He, uh, I know it's not wrong. It did give you power. Yeah. So, you know, he had that. Plus, he had child life was always with him. Yeah. And whichever doctor was doing the procedure on him, I mean, talk about very protective yeah. of Christian during that that procedure. Yeah. There was one time, which he probably doesn't remember, huh? that. He had, I don't, if, I don't know if he didn't have enough numbing on Ugh. something, but he was having a hard time going on, going under. Ugh. And he was, he was very stressed out about it. Yeah. Um, and I remember too many people were kind of trying to talk to him. Oh, yeah. And were like, you know, don't worry, Krishna, be okay, you know, and I do remember one of the oncologists telling everybody to be quiet. And that he was the only one who was going to talk to Krishna at the time, and um, and really, really uh, took charge of the situation to make sure and to focus on Krishna being as comfortable as possible, and making sure he didn't feel anything and that his anxiety level was low. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think there was only there was there was only one, maybe two times that that happened. Um, thankfully, all the other times were. Nothing was odd, but um, you know, I think he remembers he remembers some of that stuff. But there was just so much other fun stuff that happened there. I think he remembers that, and he remembers you know going to Wanya and Sherry's house. He remembers walking in the cancer walks because now that's something that we do every year. So there's other traditions now that are associated with the hospital that are not necessarily going there for treatment anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful that he remembers most of the good stuff. That's great. Oh, definitely. And I think that's very common for a lot of the the kids who are diagnosed really young. Mm -hmm. They remember all the presents and the gifts and the fun things and the ice cream they had. You know, like eventually they got used to the, you know, they got used to getting poked. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I just remember, like, the easier or, like, the when, like, Ollie would go down, you know, in anesthesia, if he went down calmly, he would come out of it calmly. Yeah. And I think there was only one time he went in and he was, like, he went under anesthesia and he was kind of, like, eh, whiny and came out kind of whiny. But, I mean, like you said, child life is absolutely amazing. And and they really do. Um, our team at UMass is just absolutely incredible. Yeah. Um, so we talked a little bit about school and um, some of the challenges surrounding that. 
did your family or did Christian have to seek like any other type of counseling for like any other issues or I mean we don't have to dive too far into them but just kind of in general like were there other therapies or something else that would help him that helped him off of uh, treatment yeah so we didn't really do much when he was in treatment um other than you know he he had a little bit of OT because of his leg but it was it was like you know, mental health therapy that he ended up having to look into maybe a year or so off treatment because, you know, the, the children, they go through trauma yeah, and they were held back from doing things that other kids were doing. Sure, sure. Totally. And now they're, they're trying to catch up. And sometimes, especially with the big Kristen and the issues with the legs, they have a hard time rebuilding some of that strength in their legs and the stamina, right. you know? So um, some of that lingers for a while, and that can cause, you know, issues with not thinking that they're good enough. Right. Yeah. So we did get um, private therapy for Christian and his brother, Alex, separate, because we came to realize that as time went on and Alex got a little older, that he also, although he was very young, he knew a lot more than we probably thought he did. And, um, and you know, he would he would admit to being worried about Christian. Yeah, makes complete sense. So, and he was very young. He was in second grade when all that came out. Yeah. So Christian was in third. Alex was in second. So we got both of them into private counseling. The other thing that we did was we became more involved with Home the Wall Game Camp out of Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Um, their whole focus there is that the kids can do anything. You know, it is all positive reinforced. There are, you know, there's like a climbing wall and a zip line and a recording studio and, you know, a talent night. Wow, and, that's cool. And everything is so, so positive. Um, and it really helped raise the self-esteem of Christian Hibbelis. You know, I, we, yeah, we honestly, um, I, I keep telling Hole in the Wall whenever I talk to them that I feel that they were part of our recovery and our healing because they not only help bring the family together, they also give parents a rest because you have family pals. So things are a little different right now for COVID, but, um, the kids were able to do whatever they wanted, and they were the stars. And that goes for the siblings, too. You know, the siblings are never left out. The siblings are treated just as special. And it does, I think it's made a huge impact on our family, being involved in that. How did you choose to go with them? Because I know that there's a couple of different camps, like there's some up in... Um, Maine and yeah, Camp Sunshine. Yeah. So, how did you choose home? So we, because Christian spent so much time up at UMass within that three and a half years, they had the hospital outreach program. So they had someone come, you know, multiple times a week to do camp crafts and things like that with Christian. And so we would get to know the the volunteers who did that. And Christian loved home, loved our home wall from today. What are we going to make? Are we going to make a jetpack? Are we going to make this and make that? Well, absolutely loved it. And they were always like, have you been to camp? Have you been to camp? And we're like, no, I haven't been to camp yet. We're waiting until he's off treatment. And then once he was off treatment, we signed up to do a family weekend. And then uh, from there, they did end up spending, um, summer camp there, each of them separately for one week. And then we're like we're going back for a family weekend uh, in June. So So they're in Ashford, Connecticut, which from Northboro it's about an hour. Okay. It's not bad. So it's really it's not bad at all and it's so worth it. And it's a beautiful drive actually. Beautiful drive. Is it near um well that's awesome. Oh wow, that's definitely something to look forward to and Yeah. Yes, get involved. It's 
soon as you can, because I don't know what age it is that they can start going. I think it's five and up. It's five and up? I think it's five and up. A lot of the camps are five and up. Ollie will love it. Yeah. And it's not just for kids on treatment. It's obviously, there's a lot of kids off treatment there, too. Because you've become part of the the family there. Yeah. You know, and they get to stay there until I think they're 15. That's awesome. And then they have programs after that, like counselor programs. So a lot of the counselors and a lot of people who volunteer had cancer or some other type of medical diagnosis when they were growing up and they became involved with camp and you don't want to let go. You know, camp's pretty amazing. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. It's just everybody understands. You don't have to explain yep. anything to anybody. They just know. Yep. Just get yep. it. You guys do Make-A-Wish? We did do Make-A-Wish. Um, we had planned to do Make-A-Wish in, I want to say it was 2014 in October. He was still in treatment. Many around us were going, like many kids in treatment around us from Sherry's house were going to, to Disney. So we set it up to go to Disney. We were supposed to fly out, I think, that Monday. That Saturday, he got a fever. We ended up in the hospital. And there was no way that they were going to let us leave. Right. And and that was one of the times that his AMC had tanked mm. and wasn't sure if it was going to come back. Yeah. But it did. And uh, so we had to cancel that Make-A-Wish trip, which was no issues whatsoever. Great. And we were then advised by oncology to not make any more plans until after treatment. Yeah. So uh, we agreed with that didn't make any more plans until after treatment. And we rescheduled for March of 2016. And so he had just, just ended treatment. He was probably, what, four or five, you know, months off treatment when we went. And it was amazing. It was amazing. So, yeah. We chose Disney, too. And even, you know, even in COVID, they were asking us if we wanted to choose something else. And like, nope, the buck stops at Disney. Like, we've been through so much that yeah. Honestly, day two of us being in the hostel, I remember our social worker saying, like, you know, you guys can apply for Make-A-Wish when he's three. And, oh. like, right away, like, that, that I was like, we're doing Disney. Like, that, like, that was, that's the end. It's so, so worth it. Mm-hmm. So worth it. And they have, um, they have a resort down there called Give Kids the World. And that is amazing. It's amazing. No, like, I can't wait. It was, it was you're in tears when you leave because you just don't want to leave. <laughs> so amazing there. And I heard too that they, you know, after you do your initial trip, that they'll give you like a day pass to yeah. certain parts. Yeah. You just have to yeah. pay your way to get down. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's the alumni mm-hmm. uh, portion of that. And um, they do give you a day pass. Um, I think they give you a meal too. Yeah. And then you just have to pay for the rest of it. And yeah. of course, transportation and stuff. But um, we haven't been able to go back yet um, as alumni, but we hope to. Yeah, that's going to be a fun trip. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So much good stuff to look forward to. Um, Well, Trisha, thanks so much for your time and sharing Christian's story. I'm glad I got to say a quick hi to him. He is a budding YouTube star. (laughs) And I'm sure he can help me with my YouTube channel. But I need it when I'm ready for it. That would be great. I just want to thank you so much for being so open. And I know that, you know, you sharing Christian's story is definitely going to help a lot of other families and just to continue to inspire hope and provide people with a, a story of wonderful success that Christian's doing so well right now. And just, I just want to thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast and sharing everything. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Thanks again for taking the time to listen to this episode. I hope you got a lot of value from it. If something from this stuck with you, I would love to hear from you. Feel free to message me on Instagram or on Facebook and tell me your thoughts. Join the private All Mama Care Facebook group to connect with me directly and other listeners across the globe. Hop on over to my website, allmommycare.com. All, A-L-L, no periods, mama, M-A-M-M-A, 
www.care.com. There, you'll be able to check out some amazing resources to help your child and your family. Wherever you're listening to this, take a screenshot, tag me and a couple friends. You never know, it might be exactly what someone needs to hear today. The Light Within Me honors the light within you. Thank you.